0: The Around the NFL podcast has strong relationships with their mothers.
3: (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. What's up?
1: What an absolutely true money drop this time versus the false one they issued on the last show. What was it the last show? I don't even remember, but it was ridiculous. (laughs) This one was right on the money.
4: Well, this this sets you up. You, you had said you wanted to take a couple minutes and talk about your mother to start the show. So go ahead. Go ahead I did not. I
1: did not because she listens to this. And I know if I say something, it will be twisted around mm. by the three of you into something that I'll have to explain <laughs> in a phone call. So I'm not going to touch it. She's been a wonderful mother I'm- and continues to be. Well, I'll tell you what, Debbie Rosenthal wins a lot of points,
4: um, not just for Raising Me, but she's definitely the only Rosenthal family member that's ever listened to this podcast, and she listens to it regularly. That's cool. Has great opinions uh, about all of you guys, loves you all.
3: My, uh, none, <laughs> no, no one in my family listens to my podcast, no one in my direct family, nor my extended family, uh, really, nor any of my friends, really, which is discerning, uh, concerning. I have some <laughs> very close friends that listen to every show, uh, but for the most part, oh. no one really even knows about this podcast. Never. And it feels
4: That's not true. hurtful. Oh, you mean in your life sort of thing? Oh, yeah. Okay.
5: I have a really close friend in Cincinnati, the best softball player I've ever played with. And he, he's really upset because I've never mentioned his name on the podcast. And I told him I never will if he keeps complaining. <laughs> So I'll just say he's the best softball player I've ever played with, but I'm not mentioning it.
1: Wow. Sounds like a
3: healthy friendship you have. You're referring to Tony Garcia, but he's not in Cincinnati. Best shortstop I've played. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. By the way. Good mom talk. Congratulations again to Mark Sessler, who sitting with us now with his new MacBook. Let's go inside Mark's head and his journey home, skipping through the streets of Los Angeles. (laughs) Hopping over streetlights collecting gold coins yeah it's (laughs) an anime character in human form
1: it's been a long uh journey you know another continuing three and the three of you have these up-to-date beautiful computers dating back to 19 you know 2008 or something and i've been operating on a an apple 2 and i'm finally up to snuff it was actually
3: not an apple it was a uh, some low-level PC some type of made right. in some
4: the, warehouse somewhere. Because you refused to get a Mac when I suggested you get a Mac last time. That's, I mean, let the record show.
1: That's your narrative. Yeah. Let the record that's show. The Mark truth. said, I don't want a Mac. Yeah. That's your narrative. Okay.
4: Yeah,
3: that that was the true story. But we heard about it for two straight years. But now you you have a Mac as well. And if anything, we can now start complaining that you have the newest
1: Absolutely. Mac. I would completely think it's acceptable now that the cycle of complaints goes to whoever has the oldest machine. Greg is on his third Mac because he spilled coffee on multiple (laughs) laptops at this point, but the two of you have a ripe case.
5: I just got a new one a week before you did.
1: Alright, Dan, it's your turn to complain.
3: I'm happy with mine. Okay. What is your next slide? Now, what are we moving on to?
5: Oh, I've got a lot of
3: them. The season (laughs) is
1: young. The next slide is connected to Greg's new nickname, Flyboy. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need to get into that right now.
3: <laughs> uh, I'm a flyboy as well. Well, yeah, yeah,
1: but you have a nickname.
3: Um, all right, this is the Wednesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, a really fun show tonight, guys. A lot to get to today uh, because uh, not only are camps rolling now, we're in double-digit days. We got uh, preseason games beginning in uh, the next day. Uh, that is, of course, you know, unless they're canceled due to some act of uh, malice by a, uh, a equipment or a groundskeeper, uh, either intentional or otherwise. We will have a lot of organized football games in the NFL uh, played on Thursday and this week, this weekend. So uh, a lot to talk about as we work toward that. We will also begin our division by division previews. Oh, yeah. Get excited. And we're going to start. On the East Coast in the National Football Conference. Yes, the NFC East. NFC East. So we'll break down that division and we'll go through all the divisions over the next couple of weeks. Uh, We got that. And we also have... Oh, yeah. It started. Tuesday night. Premium cable. Mm, Our Hard Knocks Report. Episode one. Did we all see the episode?
1: Yes. I did. Yeah. I... I don't want to get no. into a beef with it. Well, I have HBO now. You can't watch it till seven a.m. That's My true. shift at work begins
3: at six thirty, so so you were you were in a tough spot.
1: I will see. I will literally not say a single word the entire <laughs> segment.
3: Well, you could chime in if you feel you have pertinent information to share. Would wouldn't Dan's- it be
1: educational. I haven't seen yeah. a second of it. You read Dan's recap, so oh. you are in the know. Have not done that either. Okay. We'll do that okay. later.
3: Okay. All right. Well, we're going to talk about the Hard Knocks Report, episode one. Uh, but before we do any of that. We will check behind the glass. There he is. I'm here. The great Irishman, Brandon McGinnis. What's up, buddy?
2: Nothing much. You know, I was watching the Red Sox-Yankees game last night. Yes. And the Fenway crowd cheered, we want A-Rod. And I'm wondering, have you guys ever seen a crowd do something that you never thought that they would do? Because I never thought Fenway would actually want to see A-Rod.
4: Well, but it was done in a sarcastic, we're mocking you because your career is ending in a pitiful way. No, so that ultimately... you're giving your fan base too much <laughs> yeah. credit. because no, you also... I, I think they actually wanted to see him. Well, they... They, of course they did want to see Once him. Greg but They, would, talking, only, they would only do this. So you're going to tell me you know the Fenway card. They're only going to do this in a way that they feel comfortable, that they're winning the game, and he's basically a laughingstock, you, even in his own organization.
3: Your fans are softies, uh, despite the reputation. You guys cheered Roger Clemens off the mound in his last start at Fenway. I mean that you were go, it was going to be a bit of a. He was one of the situation. greatest
4: pitchers of all and time. And he that double crossed the Red, the Red Sox. Yeah, and they and they booed him for like five years after that. You know, time heals all wounds.
3: Well,
2: I'm just saying they were still chanting "We want a Rod" in the top of the ninth when it was a close game.
3: That would have been fun. I I, I don't know if I would ever forgive Joe Girardi for not uh, giving a Rod a shot there, but. Um, Saw Bengals fans
5: throw beer cans into the cart that was carting Ben Roethlisberger off yeah. the field. Didn't expect to see that. I
4: <laughs> I saw Red Sox fans throw fake dollar bills at Jack Clark, who had just
1: uh, declared Clark. bankruptcy. I'll never on forget the team, and he's on their team. That, that doesn't g-
5: surprise that's you. That's
1: pretty good. <laughs> Back during the drive they were the Browns dog pound was throwing batteries at John Elway, which when I was in sixth grade I thought, okay, but where did you get batteries? Like, you're pulling batteries out of... Are you like the old man in the stands listening to the game on AM
3: radio while it's happening? They brought well, it in. Maybe they brought in you a bag of batteries,
4: I guess. It's expensive.
3: I remember in my, in my house growing up, we had a basket of batteries. And, like, 12% of the batteries worked. Wow. They weren't thrown out. You them
1: so from luxury.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not saying they were all operational. <laughs> it doesn't sound like luxury. It yeah. sounds like just, you know, serviceable. Listen, in a cold town, you keep everything. You don't throw it out.
5: Must be nice to have batteries. Wait, what? What What's going on in your house?
2: All right, let's do some news. That's what you have to love about Tim Tebow. And I think that's what the world loves about him. He's a fighter.
3: We didn't even have that in the news, by the way, but Tim Tebow, or did we talk about that on Monday? We did not. No, Tim Tebow is uh, trying to become a baseball player now. He, he hasn't got enough coverage, so yeah. he did too. and he is uh, going to host a tryout at the end of the month. He hasn't played any form of professional baseball in, since 2005. Good luck to Tim. Let's focus on one of his former teams, the Philadelphia Eagles, who could lose and most likely will lose one of their top offensive linemen for the entire 2016 season, Lane Johnson, facing a 10-game ban for violating the league's policy on performance-enhancing drugs Um, Johnson was previously suspended four games for a PED violation back in 2014. Uh, Johnson is appealing, according to Rap Sheet. uh, But right now, the Eagles are in a situation, Greg Rosenthal, where they will maybe have to start Dennis Kelly. That's not good. Who sounds like a character from NYPD Blue. Was a problem for them early last year. Or rookie, and I will get this name correct, (laughs) Hala (laughs) Palari Fafatati Fatai. On. More than half this Ala
5: Pulavati
4: Vaitai?
3: Something like that. Here, you try. I just did. When oh, <laughs> is that it? Is that the correct pronunciation? That's how you sounded out.
4: This is a team I was, you know, as an Eagles optimist, and we'll get to the NFC East later, but a little spoiler alert there. I I was thinking the offensive line is going to carry this offense, that maybe the offensive line is good enough and has enough continuity and talent that they can make up for some major questions at the skill positions, and this is a major problem. Um, one of the smart guys covering the team, Jimmy Kemsky who writes for the Fully, Vo- Fully Voice, he thought Lane Johnson's the fourth most valuable player on the Eagles. Now, that, that that's that's a hot take, but that just shows the kind of Uh, respect and importance he has, partly because he doesn't have anyone to replace him. His contract says he's one of the most valuable guys on on the Eagles. And I know we
5: point out usually when the suspensions come down that the team knows about it ahead of time, this one seemed to catch
4: the Eagles off guard.
1: I mean, it also has. It's also not
4: official, let's point out. He's, he's facing. Sure.
1: It. I mean, it has a direct impact on the quarterback position because if you're Doug Peterson, you've got Sam Bradford going into the season. But losing, if you lose another offensive lineman, that can lead to total collapse of your offense or a quarterback injury and force, you know, Carson Wentz onto the scene earlier. Or maybe it prevents them from using Carson Wentz if the line is in shambles. So it's, you know, it impacts his rookie season. Well, plus. Bradford looked good last preseason. He
4: looks good in training camp, looks like the best Eagles quarterback, very accurate. This is when the live pass rush is not coming at him. I mean, I think that's, that's a fair criticism of how Bradford's uh, been weak throughout his career. Is, is He doesn't really hand up well uh, to bad protection. Meanwhile,
3: on the throne of sleaze... <laughs> Stormcloud's clouds rolling in, but it could have been worse. Def- defensive end Rob Nikovich tore his triceps in Tuesday's scrimmage versus the Saints, uh, Rap Sheet reported. Uh, The muscle is a tear, is torn, not the tendon, which is important. Because if it was a tendon, you're probably losing him for the year. But the muscle means he can rehab the injury rather than undergo surgery. And there is a hope that he can return in October. And, Wes, uh, you wrote up this piece on Around the NFL. And you pointed out how sneaky productive Rob Ninkovich is on that patch off uh, defense.
5: Yeah, our research department sent out an email saying that since 2010 – The only three players with at least 40 sacks and 350 tackles, the only three defensive ends, I believe, are J.J. Watt, Calais Campbell, and Rob Ninkovich. So that's rare company. And Greg made the point on Twitter, I remember, that Bill Belichick tells you what he thinks about a player by, by the snap count, and he played more than anyone in their defensive front seven last year.
4: Not only last year, I think for the last five years he plays more than Chandler Jones, than Jamie Collins, than anyone, and you don't see defensive ends or outside linebackers, whatever you want to call them, depending on the down, playing every single down anymore in the NFL. You just don't see it. I mean, there was one year he played 98% of the snaps, which is just insane.
1: It's shocking that a Patriots player, when these players are outside of Rob Gronkowski, not allowed to interact with human life outside of the Patriots complex, would be under the radar. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's not a flashy player.
4: I mean, he's not going to make the highlight reel like, Like Jamie Collins will, for instance.
1: So what? Is it Shea McClellan and what Chris Long need to see more snaps at this point?
5: Genio Grissom, Trey Flowers, a couple of draft picks from last year. But I I really like Chris Long's potential to bounce back.
4: Flowers was good in the preseason last year. They like him. They are somewhat deep at that position. Jabal Sheard certainly uh, is is a starter and played outstanding last year. But they're going to get him back.
3: Must be nice on the throat of ease, by the way, Greg. You know, a lesser-blessed franchise Julian Edelman gets carted off. Ninkovich, his arm blows up, and it's like, oh, you're both gone for the season. See you in 2017. Pats is like, ah, he'll miss about a week and a half, two weeks. He'll be back better than ever. Can I carry some water here? Carry it. Go up that
5: hill. Well, I mean, the Patriots were hurt by injuries as much as any
4: contender down the stretch last year. Offensive line was in tatters for that Broncos game. Well, you're ruining. What Dan is trying to say is, I was excited that this team I've been hoping is going to lose got you know some injuries, but now I'm. That's disappointed. what you talk like, not me. I'm disappointed. Well, uh, that,
1: those O line injuries got that O line coach inner, fired. By the way, now, what so a, someone. Dan, the card, what about?
3: Okay, that's different. What about when? This is stupid, but what about when Gronk's knee twirled like Willis McGahee at the Orange Bowl, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, most careers are <laughs> over. Gronk, oh, he'll be back maybe 10 days, 14 max. That's fair. It'll be better than ever. We thought he was done. We thought his career was in And Come on. I mean, his knee exploded a couple of years before that, but don't get in the way of my <laughs> narratives. Moving on, let's talk about the New York Giants, Wes, another team we'll get to later, and your favorite player, Victor Cruz. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to to Wes's credit, he, Wes is saying don't treat this guy with any respect. He's no longer a football player. He's a guy that got hurt and it never got better. But the rest of the football world remembers Victor Cruz. Am I wrong so far? How I'm sending That's this? a little hard. You're harsh. taking
5: some liberties with okay. my stance on Victor okay, Cruz.
3: Okay. Let, me, let me start this over.
5: Can I – give me you start one, over. one sentence summation.
3: Okay. I'll let me start over first, though, and just get the news out to you. Victor Cruz may miss the preseason opener uh, with an injured groin, the same Victor Cruz who missed all of last year with a multitude of issues. Uh, Wes, you have not taken him seriously as a uh, – Productive type player because he keeps getting hurt and has been out of the game for so long. Your thoughts about this?
5: This is much less about Victor Cruz the player and much more about the coverage of Victor Cruz the player. When he plays
4: a down of football in the NFL again, it will finally be news. But he is being there? counted on to have a significant role for. No, a he's team- not. Then why did they pay him $2.4 million guaranteed? Why do they have no depth at that position that, at that, all? This is a team that right. needs to be you know, scoring the ball. They're going to play up-tempo. Thurling Shepard's going to start. Yeah, that new
3: flyboy.
5: Yeah, but
4: they have three receivers on the field at all times. You need three starting receivers. He's the third one.
5: Well, what? after hearing Connor Orr's report from Giants
4: camp, I wouldn't expect to see Victor Cruz as the third receiver. I. But Greg is right. If you look at their depth chart, there's a bunch of guys. It's Dwayne, I Har- mean, it's... Dwayne Harris is probably the next up. And Connor Orr, uh, to your point, Wes, he was at practice. He didn't think Cruz had his explosiveness back, and that that seems to be the consensus at practice.
3: From what I understand, Sterling uh, Sterling Shepard is going to be a cross between Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown. So, what are we worried about?
5: <laughs> I find it weird that you've been so <laughs> you've been so disturbed by Sterling Shepherd.
3: <laughs> the, I don't know, Dan doesn't like the Giants. I either. got a I got a bad feeling. Do I like him or I don't like him? I get, Dan I always to sticks plays. up for the Giants. Um, you like covering them. The, the, the hype train well. the, for something something just feels off. Like there's a loose screw like in the train's wheel, and nobody else sees it but me. It's it's kind of like that Twilight Zone, the guys on on the plane and the the monsters on the wing. Well, you Nobody were. Believes.
1: Well, you're. What are you basing it on? Just a Sessler. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> he had this about Reggie Bush. He's had it about other players. Maybe this is your zone of you've got good intuition on when the hype train is about to go right off a cliff into absolute trees and wreckage.
4: Also,
3: Des <laughs> Bryant's career's over. Well, just beware about that too.
1: Oh yeah, Tom okay. Brady's and Tom Brady's. Tom
4: Brady's career was over before 2014. Tom
3: Brady is going to go. <laughs> he into had a terrible a year, a slight... year that year. You have like a plus
1: or minus three season window on these productions, and that's yeah. fine.
3: No, this the the Brady one. Let's just wait and see how it plays out because it's going to be a slight decline in production across the board. Uh, just wait and see. There's nothing you can say or I can say. It's just my prediction. Well, that's we have not, to see what happens. That's not That's not crazy. That's not bold. Okay, saying 39-year-old so, you know, with get a off my slight back. decline.
1: If that's I like that every saying. time Dan attempts to make a prediction, Greg jumps right on that oh, with yeah. knives and starts slicing it into parts. The good thing <laughs> He's is just that. a football analyst making a prediction. Allow oh. it to happen.
3: No, that's the problem. He's like, Greg's like I'm a football analyst. You're just a schmo. I will <laughs> jump on your point and dismantle yeah. it, and then. But here's the thing: I'm not scared of you. Now, I was gonna boss say it's, it's more of a. Respe- Let's go.
4: It's more of a respect. Let's go, fly boy. It's more of a respect for both of you that you won't, you know, act like a little child when someone argues
1: with you. That you'll come back and you'll try Who's to both find both of us. Find what an do you mean both of us? Because then who are you not? Ex- you're well, not you're including because Wes is higher up on your list there. No. So <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, it's to both of you, Dan and Mark, who I don't really take seriously. <laughs> I want them. Them to behave a certain way when I get contrarian and jump yes. down their throat. When Wes, Wes is Wes is already oh, up right. on the up on the mountaintop. <laughs> Dan and Mark, if they are to say something football wise, I don't know. A grain of salt, time. That's because I know. I know. Uh, that, wow. We're yeah, really you dig good. your house. Dig your, dig after, your way out of it.
3: After the Eli Manning debate, uh, both the uh, Last you. week's show, Wes and Greg spit on me before they left the studio.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I know Wes is going to come back at me because he, he's confident. That's what I want. The back and you forth. can't
1: control us in our personalities. Yeah,
3: exactly. We, just sorry we don't respond to you the way you want. Stop. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know.
4: I don't know. Years of frustration from Mark. Puppet out. master. Oh, wait thump. a minute. It's,
1: again, it was both of us. I am sticking up for Dan and for myself, as you are asking us to do.
3: Let's pull out of this career cul-de-sac, guys, and move on to Jimmy Graham, the Seattle Seahawks tight end who, you know, you want to talk about serious knee injuries. The exact injury, in fact, was that Victor Cruz suffered and and, um, sent his career off the tracks. Jimmy Graham is attempting to come back from this. Last year, uh, Cruz was unable to do it as lower leg injuries uh, robbed him of a a full season. Graham returned to practice, came off um, the pup list, and is right at the edge of getting back Coach Pete Carroll said Tuesday that Graham was, quote, right at the edge of getting back on the practice field. So, uh, Graham making progress, uh, Mark Sessler. Do you expect Jimmy Graham to make an impact this year? This is a very difficult injury to come back from because it robs players of their explosiveness.
1: I mean, it all boils down to it's been the case with him for years. How healthy is he? But he's played through injury before. I mean, they traded for a guy – hopefully with the plans to make him a huge part of their offense. And there were games last season where it wasn't like they really seemed like they needed Jimmy Graham with the way their passing offense bloomed. I guess the question I'd have is would you still make the Max Unger trade for him today?
3: If, well, what's Max Unger up to? No, well, I, he has a torn patella tendon. Well, all
1: right. right? I, I'm I mean, just saying like in terms of in the overall what they were looking to do, I don't feel like it's been a successful trade at this point, right. and their offensive line needs help. I, I don't know. It was kind of like a, this is our last final player to put us over and win another Super Bowl, and it did not play out that way.
5: Greg and I were talking about this this morning. You were a little surprised that the fantasy guys were saying they wouldn't touch Jimmy Graham this
4: year. That they wouldn't even draft him, to me, seems like That's the, strong. the ceiling, or that if you did, it'd be as a late, late uh, backup. Seems to me the ceiling would be higher, but you made the point about torn Patel attendance, and it's right. I. Have researched this uh, several times. I can't find a single NFL player who has successfully
5: returned to pre-injury status after a torn patellar tendon. The most recent ones over the past decade, the best players have been Cadillac Williams, Ryan Williams, and Victor Cruz. Yeaks. Yikes! And all of those players, Cadillac tore his patellar tendon in the next in in the other knee the next year. Yikes. Victor Cruz has come out and said the reason he got his calf injury last year was overcompensating for the other leg, and Ryan Williams was. You know, ravaged by injuries after he tore his. I I just think it's a long road back, and you have to set expectations pretty
3: low. Moving on, it's time to do some uh, odds and ends. Odds and ends, odds and ends. It's time for some depth chart odds and ends. Oh yeah, (laughs) forgot a song long. A little shaky there, a little shaky on the odds and ends. Uh, but this is the NFL depth charts edition, and we'll start at quarterback position, where the Broncos and 49ers will both go with co-number one QBs on the depth chart. Chris Wessling, what are you
5: seeing there? I think what caught my eye is when a veteran beat reporter like Mike Cliss, whom Mark and I shared a beer with in an Indianapolis bar one. Oh yeah, a- great guy. Humble brag. <laughs> Uh, he came out and basically said, Trevor Simeon is leading this competition. And I think it's time to take him seriously.
1: Well, and the coaches, maybe it wasn't win. The coaches all offseason saying how much they like him and trust him and want to develop him. And what's your other option? Mark Sanchez until well, Paxton keeps, Lynch is ready. Who keeps making mistakes. And if you think back to the Broncos last
4: year, I think all Kobiak may want out of this quarterback is to make the fewest game-breaking mistakes possible. And that's Simeon's reputation to a fault is that he's a conservative check down type of quarterback that won't kill you. And Mark Sanchez
3: is not that guy. Uh, in other news, Laquan, Laquan J- Treadwell, the first round wide receiver, of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, there are reports out there that he is not going to immediately take on a big role in the offense. In fact, Treadwell is listed behind Charles Johnson on the Vikings initial depth chart. Uh Mark Sessler, I know you're a huge Charles Johnson fan. Your boy. Uh, You carry that water up and down the hill for Chaz Johnson. Got to be excited.
1: Well, that said, I'm not buying this because, you know, there's Norv Turner's already talked mm-hmm. about implementing specific, you know, skinny post routes, the old Michael Irvin bang eight route just for Treadwell, who essentially is a Michael Irvin esque uh, frame and height and weight. I, was receivers, you, I guess you don't know first year how they're going to grow immediately and, and fit into the offense. I think by, you know, October, this will be a non story, if not sooner.
5: Well, I think the real story here is. Stefan Diggs, who has moved from the X spot to the Z spot, which is much more fitting for his frame and playing style. And it would surprise me if he's not their best receiver this year.
4: Yeah, the reports in Minnesota is that he's taken a big step and Treadwell, if he was on the bench at the beginning of the year, it would be in Mike Zimmer Zimmer's M.O. I mean, he, he hasn't played trade Waynes yet. Still might not be playing Trey Waynes, who got drafted even higher than Treadwell. Wouldn't It wouldn't surprise me if they keep Treadwell on the bench.
1: And you think about it, Zimmer came out of the Bengals program that also doesn't rush rookies on the field, so yes.
3: And finally, uh, if you're looking for a deep sleeper in your fantasy leagues, how about fifth-round wide receiver Tajay Sharp? of the Tennessee Titans, who has, quote, established himself as one of the better route runners on the team, according to titansonline.com, uh, you know, with a young, dynamic quarterback. That guy needs to find his favorites. Is it possible, Wes, that Sharp could be a difference maker this year?
5: Well, I don't know about difference maker. He could be a starter. I don't know if he's talented enough as a rookie to be a difference maker. But when I hear he's the best route runner on the team, that says a lot more about the other wide receivers on mm. the team.
4: You mask, Greg. Love that. Fifth round. I mean, it says something. They're, they're dogging Doriel Green Beckham, who's still getting taken in fantasy drafts pretty high. Uh, they're you know Mike Mularkey's dogging him. He he might be fourth on the depth chart. I mean, t- You're shaking your head. I mean, he's a talented guy, but they have the types of receivers they want. He's not that type right now, and so he's not playing. And it looks like it's going to be Rashard Matthews and Sharp and Kendall Wright's injured right now. They're not thrilled. Shaking
5: my head because of the tweet you had the other day. If you don't think Mike Mularkey is capable of burying <laughs> right. D'Oreal Green Beckham behind Harry Douglas, you don't know Mike Mularkey, exactly. and Harry Douglas <laughs> doesn't belong on this roster.
1: Well, how about one of their – they keep drafting receivers in the upper rounds. How about one of them is developed by one of the? One of these coaching staffs? I mean, this is ridiculous. It's year after year, these underperforming Titans receivers. Compare that to what the Steelers do.
3: Mm. The opposite. I saw – I think it was UMass Amherst, maybe UMass Lowell. Uh, County Crows 2002 hard candy tour. Saw so it with the uh, old college girlfriend. Very emotional night. <laughs> very that, that's.
1: I think we should, from the NFL's account, tweet that line and see if that gets back to the Hans' household. If that uh, one your wife's cycles birthday.
3: back on on Emily's birthday, yes. Yeah. And by the way, thank you for the advice. I got a babysitter for tonight. Oh, good. Yeah, good I'm gonna good. take my wife, seven months pregnant, get her out of the house.
1: Well, because wives say, "I don't." Oh, no, 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 no! Don't fuss over me. Well, if you don't fuss over them, you're gonna hear about it.
3: Yeah, very. You better and move more. Very true. And and just because. Mark, that was such a great point by you. I'm going to let you choose which of the members of this podcast will sing the odds and ends outro. Uh, Wes will. All right. Oh no. Let
1: it rip.
5: (laughs) Wes. Odds and ends. Odds and ends. I I'm on record as admitting I am the worst singer and dancer. That
3: was delightful. What did the music teacher say to you again? <laughs> it's Joe my favorite story. Made
5: me stay after class and put my ear on the piano.
3: Oh my god! Because you didn't have any I'm, sense of I'm
5: tone deaf. <laughs> I have no rhythm. Girls uh, are always trying to get me to dance with them when I'm when I'm dating oh my, them, and uh, I'm like, there's no, it's not going to happen.
3: Yeah, I remember I had a, a barbecue not too long ago where before. Wes met his current uh, uh, paramour, not Mary Kay Cabot, a different one. Uh, This woman was trying to get Wes to dance, and it got legitimately uncomfortable for the rest of us because (laughs) Wes was stonewalling her and be like, no, I'm not going to dance, can't dance, not going to do it, Uh, which is your right to say that.
5: That was one of like a handful of things she wanted to change about me. Right. Can't change Wes.
1: Exactly. I think I actually got your to belief dance your that belief
4: night. in a higher power. That's that, that one. Seemed like, it seemed like a big thing to ask on the second date, right?
1: And and Change that.
4: And then uh, <laughs> I should
5: stop eating pork and meat or anything like that <laughs> as okay. I'm smoking ribs for the and,
3: whole group. And now this is just petty, and I don't want to be mean, but I found that that woman's hair in my house for weeks. Oh, that's okay. We let edit down that out. Road. no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> don't need to go down, weeks, down that road. Weeks after she
1: was a delightful party guest.
3: She's a very nice girl.
1: Hopefully not a listener of the
3: show. Probably not. It's not being edited. Yes, it's time for the first Hard Knocks Report of twenty sixteen. Sponsored.
4: By nfl.com slash endaround. Very nice. Nice save. Daily pop culture and football love better.
3: I love a letter. Kid. I like that too. Uh, yes. The, if you want to check out um, really uh, definitive weekly recaps of this program, got to go to NFL.com end around. Uh, but now we're going to talk about the episode a little bit and uh, a nice start to hard knocks. And by the way, I should say this because we have so many loyal, wonderful, beautiful, um, sophisticated UK listeners uh, who want to know what, how can I see hard knocks and uh, it will be available on Game Pass on Friday. So if you have Game Pass, you're in luck there. And on Sky Sports, which I think is like their ESPN. Is that for that
4: Yeah, well, we a couple things. Something right. like
3: that. Uh, later this month on Sky Sports. So you will have a chance to see it. Anyway, so the first episode of Hard Knocks, um, of course, focusing on the Los Angeles Rams. And uh, the thing that I, I'll start with because it's how I um, – it was the lead of my recap was – you know, big Jeff Fisher episode, and we we have our fun with with Fisher and Les Snead and the Rams about how they've had this almost commitment to mediocrity, not their goal, but how it's it's uh, played out since 2012. Every year, seven and nine, eight and eight, seven and nine, maybe six and ten sprinkled in, and uh, uh, can't say Jeff Fisher is not self aware because he uh, you makes a point of it to say that he is sick of being that guy, and he does it, Greg. In a way that um, felt like maybe a little cheap, because there is a uh, undrafted wide, re- wide receiver named Dion Lewis, uh, excuse me, Dion Long, who makes the mistake of uh, bringing having a girl at his dorm room, uh, which Fisher had uh, stated, "Do not do this uh, in one of the early meetings of the summer. Do not have any um, any women back at the dorm rooms." Uh, he gets caught. Uh, Dion Long does and. And Jeff Fisher cuts him. It's a pretty cold-blooded scene. I don't think there's any way that Long saw it coming the way that it seemed like uh, Long was under the impression he was just going to get a tongue lashing. Instead, he gets kicked out the building and loses a job. And then that sets up Jeff Fisher to, for a speech to his team. And I will read that speech. I'm not f-ing going 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, okay? Or 10-6 and six for that matter. This team's too talented. I'm not going to settle for that. I know what I'm doing. We had some seven and nine bullshit this morning. Now Dion's gone. That is seven and nine bullet. and we don't need it. You guys take ownership of this thing, okay? You take ownership and you trust that I know what I'm doing, and we're going to be just fine. When you first heard that, Wes, what were you thinking?
5: Well, I wish it was only the Dion Long thing that caused this outburst, but it is also because Tavon Austin had two bananas for lunch and cramped <laughs> up. And it, and it led to this, like, Jeff Fisher's going to die on this hill, the 7-9, 8-8, 9-7 hill. I didn't buy a word he said, and I'm not sure he got much buy-in from his players on that thing.
4: Well, I to me, the Tavon Austin thing made more sense. I wouldn't have yelled about that necessarily either, but it, to me it was less offensive because he wasn't able to practice, which is his job, and it affected the rest of practice because he didn't take his nutrition and all that seriously. By the way, and, bananas help you from having crap. Right, but that, that's all he ate. The, <laughs> (laughs) I hate the Dion Long thing because it's so hypocritical and it's so phony because if he was the number 55 guy on the roster, he is not getting cut. I'm not talking about, of course, if it was Tavon Austin or Todd Gurley, they're not getting cut. But if he was even on the edge that he had a chance to make the team, there's no way they are cutting the player for having a woman apparently in his room shortly. You know, it wasn't like a long time. What happened
3: was the guy came or whoever checks the rooms came an hour before he was supposed to come. So he, got busted that way
4: yeah so it's in the middle middle of the afternoon and if if this guy was even had a chance to make the team he's not getting cut period so you're making a moral stand for something that you're being hypocritical about there's just no way that they're cutting greg Zerline or johnny hecker if they do that for instance he used them uh, as a pawn you also pointed to jeff fisher's self-awareness but does he have the self-awareness
5: to know that he's going seven and nine not because Dion Long is doing this stuff, because look at your offensive coordinators and your quarterbacks over the last three or four years.
3: And it's that, the coaching. And that leads to the other aspect of the episode that really struck me and, and stood out more than anything is that, listen, Jared Goff has every opportunity here to become a really good NFL quarterback, and maybe he will be down the line. But right now, what you saw in this practice is just how incredibly green and raw he is, both as a, a personality as a kid, uh, you could tell he seems a little on the immature side at this point. And he, you know, he's 22 or whatever. But also physically, uh, you see it in so the struggles he has in practice, just his build, which is slight. You see it th- and Greg Williams having a private conversation with some other coaches, really almost being, you know, talking about how much of a challenge they're facing that he has no idea how to run a huddle. And then it kind of makes sense when you think about it. When you see the report from Ian Rappaport that Case Keenum is, is, has a chance to be the starter, you watch this episode and it's like, oh, yeah, of course, because this kid has so far to go.
5: Well, yeah, I thought Greg Williams put it well. You have to have a catalog in your mind if you're a quarterback in the NFL. There are 18 to 19-word sentences is what Greg Williams says that you have to memorize and basically shout out to everyone on the team, know everybody's job on every play, and, and – He's just not there
1: yet. I mean, the one thing that coaches – the reason they don't want to do hard knocks is because state secrets and developments and Mm -hmm. player development are shown nationally now, and we're talking about it, and you're writing about it. But with such a tender position, a situation like Jared Goff, is this good that they're on hard knocks with Jared Goff not becoming an instant star? I mean, it's his personality too. That's a problem.
3: I think there's something to it. I honestly think because they – they watched the episode. They're part of the editing process. And I think they they think he can take it. They think he can handle it because they show several coaches getting on him pretty good. Uh, Chris Wanky. Chris Wanky. I don't know <laughs> because where Chris doesn't. Wanky gets off being this <laughs> well, guy that's like well, challenging because people. Jared he Ross, wasn't a great player, a... but
1: he's been running quarterback
4: right. academy for years. But, he, like, but that annoyed – not annoyed me, but I always – I always blanch when they're, they love telling the players how close they are to losing their jobs, the guy that are on the edge. And he loved telling Goff, everyone's watching you. You know, you better be ready because this is a big responsibility. You better, you know, because some people can't handle it. Some people can't handle that type of pressure. And of course, everyone watching the show has to be thinking, well, Chris Wenke was one of those people. He's right. He's That's speaking what I was from, He's too. speaking from experience that he was not one of those people that could handle it. Does it really help them to tell them that over and over? I don't know.
3: He knows. I,
5: Would you require your quarterback to know where the sun rises and sets?
3: <laughs> that was the other, uh, you know, kind of comical aspect of the episode. Is uh, and it did remind me of the 2012 season of Hard Knocks when Ryan Tannehill uh, did not know who else was in the AFC East and he caught a ton of uh, crap for it. But uh, Jared Goff doesn't know uh, that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west and gets <laughs> uh, just. You know, people just coming after him. He's like the butt of jokes, and it's a running gag throughout the episode. It just seems like...
1: So the Tannehill thing I'll never forget... (laughs) <laughs> right? Will you? And this is a golf thing. And then last year, the the Texans' quarterbacks looked like trash on fire after hard knocks because of the fact the way they played and the way they were just dealt with in general. Like <laughs> you got to be willing to take that PR hit if you're the player of the team because it's not a it's not a positive on golf. Well, if they, this is how it's a, is out of the gate. They try to be fair, and that's what training camp is for: is for rookie quarterbacks to to get better.
4: And even by the end of the episode, they're showing him making some nice passes and making. Progress. They threw him the a bone there, right? And and he absolutely like you would expect him to. To make a lot of progress in terms of the mental side of the thing
3: by the by the end of the month.
4: I think they were fair
3: to him. what um, other thing, I, I, I'd be remiss not to say I felt so bad. If you're a big Rams fan in St. Louis, are you watching the show? I'm wondering if you, where you're at. Do you just stop being a Rams fan? Because not only did this team, you know, move to LA, they don't spend any time on that aspect. And I understand that that's part of the whole thing. It, this is in real time, and the team's moving. But this, if there was an episode where they could dig into that just a little bit, what's what they're leaving behind, it would have been the first episode before camp started. They chose not to, and I don't, I don't know if I would um, say that was necessarily the right thing to do, considering you know the amount of time that they spent in St. Louis. And uh, the other thing, Kendrick Lamar. Mm, yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, these cameos weren't happening in St. Louis. Uh, Ken- Kendrick Lamar and Schoolboy Q, who I wasn't aware of Schoolboy, but but they're both South Central products, and uh, they showed up at practice. And, I, and this is just kind of like, I don't know, my own insecurities coming out. But I wanted Kendrick Lamar, who's so talented, as we know, as a rapper and a, a, a songwriter, to suck. But he could catch and he could throw. Like, like he had good hands. Schoolboy Q looked like way. he could
4: really throw it. You, I think you would like Schoolboy Q.
3: I got. I'm going to plug in on Schoolboy.
4: Just go, uh, Groovy, Groovy, Tony, Eddie came. That song. It's a banger.
3: Are you a Lamar guy? I don't hear. Oh yeah. Really? Oh. I don't hear you talking about him as much. I know you're very plugged in sure. to the hip hop culture. Sure. <laughs>
5: One last thing about this episode. Yes. A shirtless Aaron Donald would turn Kevin Patrick into a shrinking violet. Mm. <laughs>
4: that guy's put the gun I in. loved how competitive he was about ping oh, pong, he that pissed. he was legitimately pissed that he was stuck with um, Eugene Sims. Who was it? Eugene worse. Sims, who could not play ping pong. And so he lost to a couple of UC uh, Irvine jabronis. Um, shout out to my wife's alma mater. She wanted to watch the episode just to see
5: uh, <laughs> oh, just to
3: see the school. She's like, she knew the
4: dorms. The anteaters? Like,
3: yeah. Yeah. Come on, guys! Anteaters can't do better than that. <laughs> um, all right, so there you go. That is uh, our first uh, hard knock, hard knocks uh, recap. I thought maybe we were gonna, oh.
4: you were gonna you know maybe play act uh, the. Oh, do you want to be,
3: act it out between the coach? Do you want uh, to be the coach or the center?
4: All right, uh, I'll be the coach. This was um, this was the exchange between the coach and the center talking about the quarterback center exchange.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah, always funny. Always funny because, they again, they're trying to build this guy from the ground up. Go ahead.
4: Actually, <laughs> this is terrible. Hey, he's going to stick his knuckle in your ass. okay?
3: That's what I told him. Get in there.
4: Let him feel it. That uh, That's a little deep. Give him some more pressure.
3: That center, by the way, is <laughs> Eric Cush, who is a uh, – I, I wrote in the piece a Katie Ledecky-like uh, lead now over the rest of the field uh, to me for Hard Knocks MVP – I loved when he was going through his suitcase of tank tops. He <laughs> is the ultimate bro. He's the American well, one. You've got
5: to have your arms out for America.
3: He said this is uh, – he had an American flag tank top. This is for those fat-armed American Friday days. You just throw <laughs> the tank on and rip it up for America.
5: <laughs> America's going to have kush
3: lash. lash. Ooh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Well done.
5: Well, it's from the 90s, so I know it. <laughs> there you
3: go. The Hard Knocks Report, episode one. There are five episodes. We'll do one every Wednesday. Uh, and, Mark, you're going to catch up? Because we needed you in there. We needed yeah. you on that I mean,
1: I, I really wall. enjoy the show, and I will watch it tonight. And if uh, David Ely schedules me for another 6 a.m. shift next uh, Wednesday, you're banged.
3: Mm. That's how it operates. Do we need to get Ely on the phone to just talk about kind of like a progress report for this new dynamic?
1: I'm going to call him later. I'll deal with it. Okay. Unless you want to call You could come over. You know, if you want to come over to one of our
4: houses and watch it. Oh, certainly come over to Rosenthal Manor.
1: That opens up new possibilities.
3: (laughs) All right. Finally, let's talk about it. It's division preview time. We'll start with the NFC East, and we're uh, changing things up a little bit this year. We did this last year, but we want to keep things fresh. We always want to be both challenging ourselves (laughs) and the audience. So uh, what we'll do, we'll break this down into four different categories and then a fifth question. So... And then we'll predict the standings. And then we'll predict. Uh, oh, we we're going to do one through four?
4: Okay. I was. Sounds fun. I don't know.
3: Okay. Sure. Uh, breakout star. Well, let's start here. Breakout star out of the NFC East in 2016. Around the horn. We'll start with you, Mark Sessler.
1: I'm going to go obvious for me because I've said all along, I don't think this whole nonsense that Sam Bradford is going to be Phillies. Quarterback 12, 13 games into the season is absolute nonsense for anyone that has watched Sam Bradford. He's in his third offense in three years. You don't draft Carson Wentz wow. if he is not going to be starting a Whoa. month in and he's going to start 12-plus games and he's going to be fantastic. Whoa. And uh, I think he's going to be in Both. that division a bigger deal than Ezekiel Elliott.
3: Wow. you got to be dying then that the Browns ga- did not take this guy. I'm not dying. If they traded out of the number two pick, I, he I a think it's,
1: it's situation I like. I, I'm not wow. judging the Browns off of that. I think that in the Eagles' system, he's going to do well. So not only plays, he plays and plays well. Plays one, well. One thing that helps
4: him. That's bold. It's a bad defensive division. You get six games against some bad defenses. I think that helps the cor- all the QBs in this division. Can I uh, go last here? I have a list, and I don't want to
3: step on anyone's Ooh. Okay, what, what do you want to do? Do whatever you want. I'll go after the. Oh, gotcha, I'll go gotcha. after the
5: two fly boys.
3: All right, <laughs> all right. Flyboy number one. I will stick with the Eagles. And uh, you know, I, I struggled a little bit with this one. I wanted to pick someone that really has been off the grid, but this guy isn't. Jordan Matthews has had two nice years to start his career. Um, a top twenty-five fantasy producer, Evan Silva tells me, in some of my research uh, over at Roto World, uh, but. Now you enter his, his third season, he's 24 years old. He could play inside and outside. Um, I think, especially if he gets good quarterback play, uh, um, if uh, Mark's prediction pans out, I think he could be a guy that makes the leap. Also a good red zone target. He's done well in the red zone. So would I be shocked if he made that leap to, you know, 80, 1300, and 10 something like that no i think he has that type of ability we've been talking about jordan matthews potential for a couple of years now i think this is when he comes into full bloom Breakout i've ball.
5: noticed that you and evan silva have quite a respectful relationship on twitter <laughs> I, I appreciate
3: that evan, i love evan silva evan's great at what he does he's like one of my favorite guys to read evan silva's the guy outside this room fantasy guy.
4: another guy hired by greg
3: brick by brick <laughs> rosenthal
4: Well, I'm going back to a guy that impressed us in the preseason last year, Matt Jones. You know, I I know uh, there's some talk about Keith Marshall, who's a rookie, uh, running back there, taking some snaps. I'm trusting my eyes. I know it didn't work out for him, but, man, he's got everything you want in a running back power. Uh, Great uh, ability to make people miss in a small area. He can catch the ball. I think that offense is going to score plenty of touchdowns, go up and down the field a little bit. I, I think he can have a monster season. He's a guy I'd want in fantasy leagues for sure.
5: I feel like we skipped two obvious guys in Ezekiel Elliott and Sterling Shepard. But I'm going with a guy that nobody's really talking about, Bashad Breeland, the Redskins' other cornerback who I believe every bit as talented as Josh Norman. Mm. The ball skills are just as good, physically gifted, uh, and has been intercepting passes at the rate of one per practice session during training camp. I think that guy is going to be their best cornerback for this year, better than Josh Norman. I mean, and it helps wow. that
1: Norman will be, depending on how they operate, taking on a lot of primary threats too.
3: Yes. You ever get have that situation when you're, you jump into a conversation, you miss the very beginning of it, and 90% of the time you could – Get in on it, figure out what's going on, but that ten percent you don't. I missed the, your name that you said, Greg, and then I was just playing catch up <laughs> the whole time. And then Wes went to his, and I never knew who you were talking. The listener about. would never know, but I appreciate that. Yeah, your I curiosity. Go. You want to know? It was Matt Jones. Oh, Matt Jones. Okay. Okay, I like it. Yeah. All right, good one, guys. Good. Good ones, guys, comma guys. Biggest concern. Our next category, Mark Sessler.
1: Well, I'm going to go Dallas defense. I hate to be obvious again, but I mean, this is an offense that rides and falls with Tony Romo's health. And I feel like even if, if Des Bryant and Romo are healthy all year, this is a team that needs to go back to what they did in 2014 and, and chew up the clock and time of possession. And that's what helped that defense stay afloat that year, along with you know, I think that Rod Marinelli coached them up and did a good job. He's dealing with a lot that coached that defensive coordinator this time. You've got a rash of, you know, suspensions, players out, and on top of it, the players that are there are just it's not a very strong core of defensive players. I'd be really concerned. He's, I think for them, to, to, they're going to have to win shootouts, and you're in a, in a division with a lot of good wide receivers and good running backs. This could be an uphill climb for Dallas. I'm just assuming they're going to go 12-4 and four like some people are. Right. I When I was at the
4: practice i mean david irving and ryan russell were lining up as their starting defensive ends to start the year and Who? i i would you know forgive you if you don't have a a big knowledge of those two players resume they're counting on players that have barely ever played to play big time roles
3: direct silver linings playbook yeah did a great job <laughs> <And> joy <laughs> god joy was a terrible movie but three <laughs> three kings though three kings i'll always i like three I'll love them three you kings is joy?
1: Excellent. no i i saw I, the I, billboard, I, I billboard for it joy. And I said, skip that. Oh, right. the
3: Lawrence looking up to the well, sky. Well, it's
1: right away you get a feeling like you only, you know, if you're I, us, your dads, you going to three movies a year. That was not cracking right. my top three. I try to,
4: I try to avoid reviews, but a movie like Joy, you don't really need to hear too
3: many negative reviews to be like, all right, well, oh, I'm just going to try. Sorry, you. David O. Russell. I'm in on everything uh, Lawrence-related. Love Jennifer Lawrence. Mm. Oh yeah. So I was in regardless of the reviews, and she couldn't save it. She did everything she could.
4: They, they have a lot of ifs, though, but that you're right about that shot. I mean, if Sean Lee ever got hurt again, he
1: that would never happen. <laughs> <We're>,
4: <laughs> try, I mean, they'd be in trouble. They're, they're counting on Maurice Claiborne. They're counting a lot of people.
3: We're in lockstep so far, Mark. Uh, we're, we're talking about the same teams, but I I will go with something obvious, too. We've talked about it a lot. My biggest concern is that Cowboys backup plan a quarterback. It's a mess. Mm. It's a terrible situation that got worse when Kellen Moore broke his damn leg. And Listen. Less. I don't want Tony Romo to get hurt, but what you know over under on starts for this guy this year? You got to set it at eight, uh, eight and a half. Mm. That's just the reality of the game. And what, what we well, I'm that just would saying be his, so
1: brutal. For well, it's a back injury. It's not point. backs or tr- and that
3: clavicle. It's one shot away. I think he's the most vulnerable quarterback in the league. And they did not put in a real backup plan, which is puzzling to me. And once he goes, they're done. I don't care how good that offensive line is. I don't care if the defense surprises us, as they've done in the past. I don't care if Ezekiel Elliott is the best running back on the planet. Romo goes. So, too, goes both the hopes of the Cowboys and Jason Garrett, in my opinion.
5: I'll jump in here because that was my biggest concern. Also, the combination of Tony Romo's mm. brittleness and the Cowboys' unwillingness or inability to get more than a third-string cast-off as their backup quarterback, starting with Brandon Whedon, Matt Castle, Kellen Moore. You can't go into seasons because, look, the Cowboys may be slight favorites in this division, but it's close enough that if Tony Romo is out, let's say he's only out for a month this time, a Josh McCown can get you over that hump. Can Dak Prescott?
4: I don't know. Well, and and is he Tony Romo? He was going to be my guy at a crossroads, but we're talking about him now, so I'll – someone else there is he Tony Romo is he gonna be able to move around it's a concern to me that he has to miss so many practices and training camp. It is not a story there. They say it's planned, and I believe them. I mean, that, that's that been their plan. They're going to rest him as much as possible. But isn't that a little bit of a concern? You don't see Tom Brady or, or anyone like that sitting out every third
3: practice. He's not even allowed to play golf anymore. His body has gotten to the point where he's so vulnerable, and he's playing a brutal game where everyone wants to kill him. <laughs> it's, it's, he it's seems 10 troubling. years
5: older than Tom Brady, who's three years older than Romo.
3: Now, with all that said, they do have great, great
4: protection. For him and great people around him, so they could be great too. It's yeah, a, it's that, a crazy it only thing. takes
1: one hit. Only magnifies what you said. Jerry Jones, he'll never fire himself as the GM, but to go into this year when you still think you have a Super Bowl window and you didn't go out and secure the backup position, it's it's going to be a narrative that hangs over his head isn't for, forever. Because they, it's well, I bet can. a
4: sandwich on that they'll have a different backup that has veteran starting experience.
1: Probably McCown.
4: Well, whoever it is, no, They'll get someone. Nobody's taking that sandwich prop, right? Well, that's all uh, I'm saying.
3: What's your biggest concern, Greg?
4: My concern gonna be the Giants' offensive line. Uh, I thought of, I thought of a couple spots on the Giants because it's a it's a good. I think this could be a good team. I like that they're gonna push the pace. Uh, but they're counting on Eric Flowers, who's a big question at left tackle. Has he gotten any better? The right side of their line looks bad, and it's a team that's so star driven. Odell, Shepard, Eli Manning. I think they need the line to be much better than they were last year, and I don't really see any reason to believe that, and that's going to make that running game and Rashad Jennings and that whole poo-poo platter of running backs not look very good. It's That roster's close, but the linebackers and the offensive line, to me, are two
1: major, major weaknesses. And I had Giants running backs as a backup if you got guys- all took the ones I had before because it's It's who's the guy? Who's the main guy there? It's It's a bunch of people telling you they're going to be the guy. Right. It's
4: going to be Jennings. It sounds like this year really carrying the load, but he's just the guy. Marshall Newhouse, their right tackle, is the new Tyler Columbus. That guy's a swinging gate.
3: Next up, the the underrated storyline in the NFC Eastmark.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with Philly's defense under Jim Schwartz because I think we've heard all about, oh, the the, the lack of depth, at wide receiver, the quarterback situation, what's going on with their offensive line. But when you look at Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and Vinny Curry, these guys initially were brought in for a four-man front, and they fit well with Jim Schwartz. And, the, you know, going back and reading what the players are saying – It was not an easy situation under Chip Kelly. Those defensive players did not like being on the field as much as they were. Practice was tough for them. It was just a mess. I think Jim Schwartz has proven that he can be a great defensive coordinator. I don't like him as a head coach necessarily, but all these Eagles players are saying, we feel at home again. We're going to bring pressure. We're going to have fun. And I think this is a perfect match for a team that, in the end, might be led by its defense. We during the breakout
5: star segment, we missed Vinny Curry. It wouldn't surprise mm. me if he has double-digit sacks this year in that defense.
4: Great safety combo, too, with McLeod and Jenkins. That was going to be my number one pick, too, for underrated story. I mean, I, I think it's a nice starting lineup. The only thing that's a little worried, Jim Schwartz kind of brought in his guys. Their starting cornerbacks are probably Leotis McKelvin and Ron Brooks, who are—, who are And he
1: the, wants to bring in Steven Jim Schwartz's guy, so that's a little bit of a concern,
4: but I agree. I think that Eagles defense
3: is going to carry them. Uh, Mark, guess what my underrated storyline is about the Eagles. Wow, mm. we are in lockstep once again. Carson Wentz. I had a um, nice conversation with a sparrow. I was writing my Hard Knocks recap last night, and I took a little break, did some texting with a, a, high, a high, high, high-level sparrow, mm. and we were talking about how Jared Goff was kind of thrown in, thrown in the fire a little bit in the in the premiere of Hard Knocks, and how you know they were kind of putting him in a tough spot, and the Rams were in a tough spot. Uh, needing this guy to be something, and Jeff Fisher was in a tough spot, and it was just just felt like the pressure was on. And I think an underrated storyline is that Carson Wentz. They're handling this right way in Philadelphia, where they he's the number two pick, he is their future, and it seemed weird when they had all these quarterbacks ahead of him. It's like what are they doing? But now it makes a little more sense. This guy gets to really assimilate into the league in a in a, in a good way, and maybe like Mark saying uh sam bradford struggles or chase daniels doesn't work out or those guys get hurt who knows and carson what steps in and and ends up being a player but even if he only gets in uh in december and you know he gets some starts he gets his feet wet i think the fact that they're not rushing this guy will pay dividends for the franchise and it it really is striking the difference between how the rams and eagles have handled this
5: should i be Collecting my own sparrows? I feel like I'm remiss here. I don't have, <laughs> I don't have any
4: sparrows around the office. I don't anymore. know. I saw you tweet something out with a team source uh, yesterday. That's a sparrow uh, bra. That was, that was pretty
3: high level. Sparrow, bra.
5: He's, he's a sparrow for you too. <laughs> <laughs> <Just no>
3: sparrows. <laughs> Got no sparrows. Um, any thoughts on that, guys?
1: I, I agree with you. I think the Rams, <laughs> yeah, where the where the Eagles, and the point is the Eagles yeah, went in you got with Wes a Wes and Greg
3: having like a pissing contest about their spats. I didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't.
1: It was, uh, right. That was slightly embarrassing. They're trying to get us out of that yeah. into the next phase. Yeah. But I mean, where the Rams now feel like they're being maybe forced into doing what the Eagles very you know demonstrably did from the start, which was we're not going to put Wentz out there. Now the Rams saying, well, maybe Goff isn't number one, so, hey, it's back to Case Keenum, you know.
3: Whether Goff – and this is the NFC East, but whether Goff starts or not, he is in the line of fire this year. I mean – Let's I, see if he can handle it. I think what you
4: said, you, I mean, you said it well, and when was the last time the Eagles could have been underrated at anything or under the radar? This is an under-the-radar team. That's what's under the radar. The fact that the Eagles, who have just been – Is this one, your underrated st- storyline? No, it was going to be the defense before, but to me that is that is under the radar
1: that the Eagles are now kind of a team just floating out there. It's almost One choice, right.
3: Greg. You get one choice.
1: <laughs> if My- you want to be a coach, you want to take over for someone like – Jim Harbaugh or Chip Kelly, if the if the roster is in a shambles where you're not going to be the lightning rod? My
4: my choice is just got to be, and I, and I mentioned it briefly before, the pace that the Giants play at. It is an interesting team in terms of they played at the second highest pace of any team in the league last year. And the sound of them at practice this year, it sounds like they're going to ramp it up even more. The Giants have never been fun to watch, but I, I got to say, if they keep this up, they're kind of the new... The new Eagles, and if they got Odell Beckham, like that's going to be fun to watch. If nothing else, that's going to be fun that they're going up and down the field with Odell. Do not be surprised if Eli Manning
5: leads the NFL in touchdowns this
4: year. I'm always so down on them, and I'm with you, that I think they're going to have big-time stats. It's been quite a week for Eli Manning. (laughs) Will really help his
5: Week Hall of Fame
3: case. (laughs) Uh, Wes. Oh, I would love for that to happen. Underrated storyline. Eli line. Manning, MVP, 2016. I like the sound of that. Wes.
5: Underrated storyline. The best team Kirk Cousins has ever beaten, Ohio State. <laughs> look, well, it's go a team back, sport, but yes. I mean, look at his stats last year. They look phenomenal, and Mark and I famously stood up for him when Greg was bashing the him every week cousins. I wasn't
4: bashing him. I just said he was an average guy lifted up by his team. Well, that's what he schedule.
5: is. That's what he is. And go back and look at the teams he's beaten in his career. Not one is a good team. Week two Rams last year might be the best team he's beaten. And I think it's—I don't think you can just expect Kirk Cousins to have the same stats as last year. That's the underrated storyline. The kissing cousins bandwagon's a little weird because I can't tell <laughs> who's on it and who's off it. Well, we never like all we were doing was sticking up to Greg and saying give Kirk Cousins <laughs> a little respect. It wasn't that we thought Kirk Cousins was some great. Is quarterback. that true, Mark? you love Kirk
1: I I think Greg you know Greg went and watched all these quarterbacks so we were just coming from a different angle I was prone to seeing some of Kirk Cousins' big games and feeling like he had taken a step forward and the whole team had. It wasn't just, a, you know, the Redskins' offense had a lot of weapons last year, and they do again. Well, this show is going long, so I'm going to go to make t- talk about Kirk Cousins because he was
4: my crossroads guy. Do it. And then we can move, move to the crossroads. Do it. Because I don't think people see this season as a crossroads year for Kirk Cousins, but he's on a one-year contract, and the way that that front office talks about Kirk Cousins I just get the sense, and and just the contract itself, I get the sense they share some of the same doubts that we do and that if it doesn't go that well, that they'll be open to moving on from him. They have great talent around him. And so to me, it is a crossroads year for him because he can either get one of those big contracts or we could be thinking about him very differently a year. You know,
3: he he could come down to earth and none of us would be shocked and have an average or worse season. And he could be in like Ryan Fitzpatrick's situation next year.
5: Yep. Let me piggyback on Greg here because my crossroads campaign is the Redskins offense. Mm. Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Go- Pierre Garcon also in contract years, not getting any younger, do they see those guys as core guys after the drafting Josh Doxon? Matt Jones, make or break year for him. Is he going to be a feature back or is he going to be the guy who averaged three point four yards per carry and have fumbling problems?
1: Mm.
0: So I
5: think for that entire offense just
1: about it's it's a make or break year. For me, Des Bryant, will he finally break out? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm going JPP. He's on a one-year contract in New York. And, you know, if he plays the way he did last year with some of the the positives and negatives, I don't think you get a big contract necessarily at all. If he comes out, I saw someone said he's going to have double-digit sacks. Well, we'll see. If he comes out and he regains some of his old form, then it's going to be a chance for him to go out in the market and leave the Giants who only wanted to give him a one-year deal and get some big cash.
3: Wow, we hit for the cycle, Mark. I will also talk about the Giants. (laughs) Jerry Reese. Jerry Reese, been there since 2007, won a Super Bowl. His first year was the golden boy of management in New York, uh, won a second Super Bowl. But the Giants have been up and down, and he spent a ton of money, talked ownership into opening up their pocketbook. And this doesn't work a lot. I mean, let's face it. You get excited about the Giants, but when you, you lean on free agency to completely rebuild the roster, that can be very hit or miss. Uh, so if it goes badly, Jerry's out of a job after what's been a long run in New York. Hmm. Uh, All right, here we go. One through four. One through four. Uh, Mark, count it off.
1: Uh, One, Washington. Two. Philadelphia. (laughs)
3: Three.
1: Dallas. Four. New York Giants.
3: Wow. Interesting.
5: Wes. One, Dallas Cowboys. Two, New York Giants. Three, Washington Redskins. Four, Philadelphia Eagles.
3: Wow, I got 1 New York Gi- I got 1 Dallas Cowboys, 2 Philadelphia Eagles, 3 New York Giants, 4 Washington Redskins first to fourth. I
4: like that we're all
3: disagreeing.
4: Yeah. Now, well, that's this is the vision to do it in. And and I I'm disagreeing too cuz I have the Eagles first. I I can't even decide, but I I'll, I'll put uh I'll put the Cowboys second. I think they're very close with the Giants and I have the Redskins going from uh first to worst.
3: Hm. Hmm. All right, now and lastly, Let's each choose a song <laughs> that best describes the NFC East in 2016. Mark Sessler, you're up first.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. <I love> <laughs> All right. So this is the, um, the vinyl. You know we're
4: old when everyone immediately recognizes this song. Yes. Even before the, the words.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I love myself. I touch myself. That's the NFC East no matter what we actually do in life or what we achieve. I'm really looking
3: forward to how no, you connect this, by the yeah,
1: way. We yeah, we must be on national television every week. <laughs> We're so into ourselves. Everyone's so into us. It's not a meritocracy. The Cowboys could go 4-12. and 12. They'll be on TV nine times. It is absolutely ridiculous. There are seven other divisions to focus on, and we have to deal with Chris Collins. We're talking NFC East every single frickin' Sunday night. Enough.
3: <laughs> he said it all. I the I touch my what is how does that connect again though?
1: Well, it's someone is just all into their own pleasure. All they're all about them. They're probably the <laughs> NFC is holding up a big mirror and sitting in front of a mirror. They all don't day make long. the prime
3: time schedule. That's the only reason I.
1: They I, are Jerry Jones has quite a bit to do with okay. the television in the NFL circles, and he couldn't be happier with the arrangement.
3: Fair tell enough. You that much. Mark Sessler, I touch myself. The Divinals, is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, De- yes. Yes, correct. No all doubt yeah. Chris Wessling. <laughs> We're so old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, there we go. This is, of course, the Ramones. I want to be sedated. Why, Wes?
5: The NFC East is the most boring division in football and has been for several years. (laughs) And yet, to piggyback off Mark's point, they'll be on TV more in one week. Then the AFC South will be all year. I mean, give me a break as much as this division's
3: on TV. Totally agree with they Chris. They will put
5: me to sleep. Just sedate me, please.
3: Hey, the AFC South gets a lot of good Thursday night games week 14 through 17, guys. Yes, do. Well, they're they a do. lot more
4: fun to watch than any NFC East
5: game. I get it.
4: These teams are getting a little better. I'm usually down. I mean, this is what I'm, I'm with you guys. What do they're getting General, better until I, Romo's
5: injured in week three? A little more interest. Kirk Cousins falls serious. on his face. They're a little and more the are, All the Giants' weak positions show up, and, and uh, come on, they're not that good. I don't think they're good, but they're a little more. The Eagles' offense is the worst unit in the division. Come on,
3: I think this would be a good time for the kissing cousins to actually kiss. All right, <laughs> why oh, we wait. just we're aligned. We're aligned. That's what I mean. We don't like boring football. All right, here we go. Moving on with more Old White Guy Rock. I know.
5: Why are you guys so ashamed of
3: your <laughs> – No, no, I'm not, it's, oh, I'm not of you? that. It's great. You don't have to act
1: like you're cool. No, it's cool. It's fine. It's just Old White Guy Rock. It's good. Touch myself It's yeah. Old White Guy Rock? <laughs> <laughs> don't think so.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah, the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Jersey boy. If you want to talk about NFC East, Bruce Springsteen, that feels right. And one of my favorite Bruce songs off Tunnel of Love, Brilliant Disguise. And I'll tell you why I chose Brilliant Disguise, gentlemen. This is a song about self-doubt, Bruce. It's his divorce album. It's his blood on the tracks. It's about a guy who doesn't know what's right, what's wrong. And I don't know. These teams, it's a brilliant disguise. Are they good? Are they bad? Who's going to come in first? Who's going to come in last? Who is who? What is what? Left is right, up is, up is down. The sun rises in the east or the west. I don't know. Wow. <laughs> wow. Bruce. Very passionate about the NFC East. <laughs> These teams, a brilliant disguise. Who are they? Where will they finish? None of us knows. It's a great mystery. <laughs> great song. Great choice. Thanks. Do you know that song, Greg? No. But what?
1: I liked I liked, Greg has a bubble. I liked it. Well, I want to hear Greg's song.
4: Oh. I don't know. Now I'm rethinking it. It's kind of a random song no one's ever nah, heard of, but let's, let's hear it. I don't know if we start at the right place.
2: Oh, yeah. The National. Of course I started in the right place. Come on, Greg.
3: Uh, fake Empire by The National. Great indie band of the
4: aughts. Why the choice, Greg? Well, the, the chorus, we're half awake. In a fake empire, <laughs> and that's what the <laughs> NFC East is—this fake empire lording over the league for, men, for the same reasons I, that Mark and uh, West. I think you would enjoy this song, "Fake Empire."
1: I I, I think f-
4: that your sentiments are exactly
1: what what we echo e- Exactly, yeah. exactly. I knew the that same. there would
3: be a lot of th- these sentiments. <laughs> that's why I try to go somewhere else, so it wasn't four of us doing the same thing. But I get—I totally get. Where all three of you guys are coming from.
5: I would use fake empire to describe the entity that
3: has caused the flyboy nickname. <laughs> <laughs> A little inside baseball from Wes there, but it's all right. You could perhaps figure it out. Probably not. No. I do like, by the way, Greg was very uncomfortable. This is, I love. Okay, Greg. that's good. Greg got a little uncomfortable. He's like, Am I showing too much of my inner self by playing this kind of indie band that not everybody Well, knows? he just
4: accused but, us of trying to be too cool, and I played like, Fake Empire rather. the way. You guys Empire are, you guys are
3: ashamed. Like, we have to be like, Oh, Rock is dead. We have to only play hip hop. What like, were you that's continue, not true. <laughs> finish your, what were you saying? No, Greg was opening his heart up, and he's like, Whoa. He was opening the kimono, and yeah. it's like, should I open this kimono? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. That and then I thought that. that was a good job by me because I said, Greg, open that kimono. <laughs> Thank I thought that was a good job Thank by you. me. I appreciate, I <laughs> appreciate <open> it. Up. <laughs> it. <laughs> and the kimono came out, and the national, you like the national a little more than me. but I love them. Uh, they're good. Uh, not great California music, that's what I'll say. Maybe better for a rainy day on the East Coast. Right, it's a dark sort of like
4: everything is a lie type of thing, just like the NFC East. That's and, and, you, and you keep pigeonholing me as a hip-hop guy, so Lil Wayne was no, the first good. option. I wanted to switch off of that.
3: That's good. You stuck it to me a little bit in a big spot. All right. Good talk, guys. super edition of the show. Uh, we will be back on um, Thursday or Friday. We haven't quite nailed down the schedule for the rest of the week, but we know there are preseason games on Thursday, so if we have a Friday show, that's why, uh, because we want to talk about it. Either way, we'll figure it out. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, until then... This is Dan Anza signing off for Quite Storm. He's got a Mac now. The mailman, the boss, and the Irishman behind the glass. Till Thursday or Friday!
2: seem uh, kind of subdued compared to the last few shows before we get going anything wrong
5: don't read what? into it too much How about we're that? all in career cul-de-sacs it's uh-uh. Uh-uh. except for the fly boys
0: <laughs> no stopping us you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring